0: Hello, I'm Willis Ryder Arnold, a senior producer with the Atlas Obscura podcast. And for Women's History Month, we'll be releasing episodes from our archive that feature women making history in unique ways. The episode you'll hear today is the Forest of the Future Library, produced by Amanda McGowan. I love this episode about an art project that will span a century because it's an example of history being made intentionally by women. The story examines how women both play a role in creating history and preserving it for future generations. And at its heart, it's this great story of women who had a complex, creative, heady idea and made it a very real and tangible project with a look not just to the past, but the future as well. Additionally, it showcases Amanda's storytelling skills, capturing wide-ranging ideas and emotional tape and distilling it to a captivating narrative, all while weaving together archival tape, interviews, and evocative sound design. I really hope you like it.
1: The forest starts before the forest. It's the walk going there. It's magical in a way, because when you start walking, it's like all filters go away. And then uh, you come to this clearing. It's a very tiny, tiny forest within the big forest. There are tall trees all around, and there are some tall trees left. But then you have these small ones that are growing and it's silent and you can hear birds the wind, you can hear the rain if it's raining we just sit down, we actually listen to the forest and that in itself is a very emotional experience to sit there together with this crowd and, that are there silent, just listening.
2: I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible and wondrous places. Today, we are going into a forest in Norway, where once a year, a ritual takes place. It's the passing of a gift, but the gift isn't meant for people to enjoy today. It's a gift for the people of the future. We're going to the Forest of the Future Library. After this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived
0: in IMAX. What a day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is oh, I
3: it? my village. I know where they're taking your clan.
0: Bend for your king. Never. Whoa! Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.
2: The year is 2015, and we're in a forest just north of Oslo, Norway. It's drizzling rain, and there is a group of people sitting on the ground in this forest, drinking coffee and eating chocolates. All around them, are these little tree saplings poking up out of the soil. They're all here to witness this ritual, the handover.
1: Every year, for the next 99 years, we will meet here. In this forest, right here on this spot.
2: (laughs) The attendees all turn their attention to the guest of honor, Margaret Atwood. She's one of the most famous writers in the world, and she's holding a black box close to her chest. It's wrapped in a purple ribbon tied in a bow.
3: Oh yes, the title reveal. Reveal. Yes, the title reveal. We are now going to announce the title. It's the only part that you will know for 100 years, but I'm sure some of you will stick around until then so you can read the rest of it. The title is Scribbler Moon. That gives you a lot of room for speculation.
2: (laughs) Scribbler Moon is an unpublished work. No one has read it, and no one here will read it. Nearly everyone alive now will be dead when this book is published. Because all of this the handoff ritual, the manuscript, even the forest itself is all part of an art project called the Future Library every year for the next 100 years, the Future Library will ask an author to contribute an unpublished text. And these manuscripts will be held all the way until the year 2114, when they'll finally be published, along with all the other books in the Future Library. And all of these books will be printed on paper made from these trees, the ones that are still just saplings in the forest right now. A 100 authors, 100 manuscripts, A Hundred Years, A Thousand Trees.
1: I was terrified in a way. And I was like, I felt like it was totally impossible to do this.
2: This is Anna Beate Hovind. And she commissions and produces public art projects in Norway. She was seeking proposals for a piece in Oslo when a Scottish artist named Katie Patterson came to her with this idea.
1: It was totally out of time and place and everything. It really needs bold decisions and bold approach and bold everything. So that was my first reaction. This is impossible.
2: (laughs) Even still, Anna Beata didn't say no. There was something about the project's view of time that sparked something inside of her. Something about making decisions on this longer time frame than just today, tomorrow, next week about creating something really lasting.
1: I come from a farm which is 1,000 years old, and it's been in the family for 14 generations. So I think time in that perspective, I just think we've just forgotten about it, how to relate to time in a way. But for me, that perspective is, um, I think it's so comforting to do something today And thinking about the coming generations.
2: So she and Katie, the artist, they got to work, building the library of the future. The project was huge and complex. For it to succeed, they needed a forest, a place for the manuscripts. And they needed authors. If any one of those pieces fell through, none of it would work. Anna Beata decided to start with the forest. Encircling Oslo is a green belt of protected land, set aside 100 years ago for the public to enjoy. Anna Beata thought that this was a very future library-type decision. So she set up a meeting with the forest director and prepared herself to be disappointed.
1: I was so scared because I knew if he said no, or if it didn't resonate in him at all, that would be like the, you can just forget to do this work.
2: She went into his office.
1: So I asked him, could I have a forest? Uh, and then I get emotional every time I speak about it. <laughs> almost. And then he said, why not? And I was like, what? And I said, yeah, why not?
2: A door had opened. So they planted the trees. Then they secured a room in Oslo's new public library to house the manuscripts. But, of course, there was an essential piece missing. They still needed the books. That was the really scary
1: part. I don't know where we got the guts to invite Margaret Atwood to write her the first letter, but we did. And I think it took her, like, only three days. And she came back, replied, and she said, yes.
2: Margaret Atwood. One of the most famous writers on the planet said yes. And then authors kept saying yes. Big stars in the literary world all said yes. To echo the forest director, why not?
1: It's an amazing lineup now with authors. It's uh, Margaret atwood them, David Mitchell from the uh, UK living in Ireland, Sean from Iceland, Elif Shafak, Turkish but living in London, uh, Hong Kong, South Korea. Karlovik uh, ove Knowsker, Norwegian. Ocean Wong, United States slash Vietnam. And Sitsi Dangremga, she's from Zimbabwe.
2: These writers are agreeing to dedicate hours and hours of their time to create a work of art that no one will see for decades, that they will never see published. But for Margaret Atwood, That's what drew her to the project in the first place.
3: It's very optimistic to believe, to do a project that believes that there will be people in a hundred years, that those people will still be reading, that they will be interested in opening all of these boxes and seeing what's inside them, and and that we will be able to communicate across time, which is what any book is. In any case, it's always a communication across space and time. This one is just a little bit longer.
2: In a piece she wrote about the project, Atwood says she imagines the first encounter between her book and the future readers. That it will be, and I'm quoting her now, a little like the red-painted handprint I once saw on the wall of a Mexican cave that had been sealed for over three centuries. Who can now decipher its exact meaning. But its general meaning was universal. Any human being could read it. It said, greetings. I was here. Now, maybe you're thinking this is all well and good, but I love Margaret Atwood, and why can't I read this book right now? Well, Anna Biata says that in our world today, basically everything is available instantaneously, just a click or two away. And the fact that this project isn't, it's part of what makes it special.
1: This is a very long Christmas Eve. You know, this is an exercise in letting go of control, accept mortality, thinking about the future, and letting go of the, your, your need of having things to happen. It changed your focus in a way. And I think that is important to. to Give this gift to the future. It's not for you, it's for the future and the coming generations.
2: Soon, you'll be able to visit all of these manuscripts, even though you can't read them yet. They'll be housed in a space called the Silent Room. And to get there, you walk through Oslo's brand new public library and go up to the top floor.
1: It's like a quite narrow passage, and then you come into this kind of cave-ish place, and it's wood all over.
2: This space almost feels like being inside of a tree. All around are these thin wooden slats spiraling up to the ceiling, and layered on top of each other like rings. Nestled in among these rings are a hundred glowing boxes.
1: And these boxes are with the glass in front and the names of the authors, and we'll have the manuscripts in them. And it has a small bench, and it's uh, there is a place for like eight, nine-ish people.
2: It's so special. <laughs> and here is where the manuscripts will stay for the next hundred years. It's hard to know what kind of future will await them. But Anna Beata says that you can't Control for that. All you can do is take the first step.
1: People ask me, why, why are you starting this? How can you be sure anybody will care and look after it and all that? And, and there is nothing else I can do but trusting it to happen. I have to trust the coming generations that they actually will take it on. But the interesting thing is they have to trust me that I actually care starting. This kind of projects. So there is something for them to work on.
2: The Silent Room in the Oslo Public Library will open its doors in June of this year, 2022. And both the Silent Room and the Forest of the Future Library are free and open to the public. You can find out more information about the project at futurelibrary.no and a special thanks to Anna Beate Hovind, Katie Patterson, and Siobhan McGuire for sharing the story of the future library with us. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was produced by
0: Amanda McGowan.
2: The production team includes Doug Baldinger,
0: Chris Naka,
2: Camille Stanley,
0: Willis Ryder-Arnold,
2: Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, McKenna Smith, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Peter Clowney,
0: Sarah
1: Kaplan.
2: Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was sound designed by Chris Naka. And mixed by Luce Fleming. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com. There's a link in our episode description. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tindall. I'm Dylan Thurist, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher.